You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning and welcome to the metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Welcome to the International Church of Christ. I want to welcome all our friends, our family, everybody who's with us this morning. I want to welcome the uh, San Francisco House Church. Uh, it's great to have you guys with us. It's great to be all together. Um, I'm super excited about the series that we're doing. Those of you who are tuning in for the first time or, or maybe the second time, uh, you are our special guest. This is a, a special series that we're, we're, we're just reaching out to everybody who's kind of interested, curious, or whatever, wherever you're at. Uh, we're going to look at some great uh, points and some great scriptures to help us along. The series is uh, a finding series, basically. The first one was finding spirituality. The second one, which is what we're doing today, is finding God. My name is Robert Carrillo. I'm an evangelist, a minister, and a Bible teacher with the International Churches of Christ. And I, I love doing this. I love sharing. There's so many great things to share from the Bible, so many great things to share about God. So we'll, we'll start out with, you know, last week we talked about finding spirituality, not religion, you know, and, and, and we talked about that because there's a lot of people that are, that are spiritually curious. And they're not necessarily part of a religion or part of a church or part of anything organized, and but they still want to learn. And so we're approaching it kind of from that perspective. And we had some great uh, time to study and talk about spirituality. Uh, if you recall, those of you who are with us, um, being a spiritual being spiritual is about recognizing that our human senses don't tell the whole story about the universe. That there's more to us. Then our bodies and brains. That was from the, a quote from the Center for Spiritual Development. And it's really just being aware and recognizing that we know there's more out there than what we can see, touch, taste, and feel. There's more than what our senses tell us. And I think most of us all know that. Uh, we know that deep down inside. Um, you know, it's, and, and, and if nothing else, nature tells us that. Um, you know, that one of my favorite quotes, uh, is, is this simple quote. We are not humans having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And, and that's, it's absolutely true because as spiritual beings, we'll be, we were here before our bodies were here and we're going to be here after our bodies are gone. And we are spiritual beings. We, we, we know that intrinsically, even though sometimes we get stuck uh, with, with struggles with faith and what do we believe and how do we believe all that. But we are spiritual beings and we all respond in spiritual ways. This is class number two. This is our, our number two in our series, Finding God. And where we're focused all about finding God. So this is a huge topic, huge topic, so incredibly important. You know, you, you, you ever want to make a group of people uh, nervous, uh, be at a dinner party and bring up God. I mean, everybody gets really nervous it's because deep down inside, we all know that we should know God or that we should have some kind of connection. Or if we don't know that, we're curious about him. And we know that there's a lot out there and there's a lot of belief and uh, there's such a there's such a wide world of beliefs out there. And, and the amazing thing is that no matter where you go on the planet, every group out there has some kind of belief about some kind of God. It's that intrinsic. It's that down to our nature to, to know that there's something, not just something, but someone greater than ourselves. And, and so we, we're going to jump into finding God. And these, these studies that we're doing right now, they're not designed to be comprehensive. I mean, we could, we could spend 
six months on, on finding spirituality. We could spend another six months on finding God. These are just a light taste, you know, call it an appetizer or tapas, you know, that you just, you taste and you get an idea that hopefully will spark some curiosity to, to look more, to dig, dig deeper. And it's not just for those who are coming from zero. You know, there are people that are, have been searching. Some of us who've been around a long time, some of this will provoke some thoughts, some questions, some further digging. It's always good to stop and ask and look at the basic questions of spirituality. So finding God specifically outside of church. Of course, there's a lot of different ways we can approach this, but we're specifically approaching it of outside of church, okay? Because there is an issue there. There's a very classic issue that a lot of people uh, want to find out more about God, but they're a little bit leery about church. You know, there's a there's a there's a website, the Barna Research site, um, that has done a lot of studies on why people leave churches, why people leave their religions, why people uh, stay away from organized religion. And many of their research projects and their studies have shown that it's issues with church, with churches, with different church groups. And that becomes a major roadblock that stops people. There was a video made a few years ago uh, by a young man, and it's the title was Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. And it was a spoken word. And he, he made it kind of off the cuff, just reaching out, and bam, it blew up. It went viral. 34 million people have watched this video. And way more than any sermon I've ever heard of, you know, outside of maybe Jesus' sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, but anything else on YouTube, anything else available out there, this video just exploded, which shows that it really hit a nerve. It really hit a, an important nerve for a lot of people that were interested in God, interested in Jesus, interested in spirituality, but not interested in religion or church. You know, and church specifically tends to be a problem for a lot of people. And there's valid reasons for that. Um, the church or churches, I should say, because I'm not talking about one church in particular, but churches have their own sins. Historically, they have some sins. Um, there's hypocrisy. You know, hypocrisy is a major issue for churches. People falling into the pressure of looking good, looking right, and even becoming so focused on that and not paying attention to being right and how they live and, and their hearts. And it's easier for a church to get really focused on how we dress and how we speak and things we do and don't do and not to focus on the heart not to focus on what's happening on the inside. And, and, and as if you know Jesus at all, you know that this was hugely important to Jesus. What's happening on the inside? Uh, there's a classic chapter in the Gospel of Matthew where it says it's called the seven woes where Jesus lays out the religious leaders about their hypocrisy. And that's one of the things that Jesus hated was hypocrisy. He didn't hate people. He loved people. And he didn't hate people that were in sin or messing up. He loved them. But what he did hate was hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is simply acting or pretending to be one thing that you're not. It comes from the whole idea of, of even of Greek theater where they, they were literally hypocrites, meaning they wore a mask, pretended to be a character that they were not in reality. They were acting. Well, that can happen in religious life very easy. And it happens in churches a lot. 
where people pretend to be one thing that they're really not. And it is, it is definitely affects families when, when kids see their parents acting one way at church, but acting another way at home, it embitters them. And, and, and of course they don't take church religion, uh, serious. They don't take God serious. They don't take the Bible serious because what they see is some game going on. So hypocrisy is one of the biggest sins of churches. The other is legalism, you know, where they get more focused on the rules, where they get more focused, where the religion becomes all about obeying rules and all about following rules. And, and it's not that all rules are bad or wrong. I mean, the, the 613 commandments of the Old Testament are in essence rules for life. But even that, we were set free of that for a greater rule, which is to love God and to love each other. And that should be our, our overarching guide, so to speak, and how we should live, not the rules. But, but even putting that into practice, we tend towards a bunch of rules and churches can get very focused on that. So it's all focused on the outward appearance and the obedience or compliance, or compliance to rules in the religion. Jesus was not like that at all. You know, in fact, you know, in Matthew chapter nine, he goes, he reaches out to, to Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew was somebody who'd broken all the rules. And Jesus didn't say, walk up to him, say, how dare you? I can't believe you did that. No, he walks up to him and says, follow me. He was recruiting him onto his team. And he ended up sending out Matthew to be a great evangelist, evangelist, proclaiming the gospel and spreading the church all around, all across the Middle East. And, and that was, that was somebody who clearly messed up with a lot of the rules. Now, of course, he called him to obedience, but that's not what it was about. It wasn't about the rules. And then chapter 12, when his, there's a scene where he's walking across a wheat field and, and you're picking the wheat. And that was breaking the rules because the rules were you weren't supposed to pick wheat on a Sabbath. Of course, those were man-made rules, not God's rules, but, but they were rules nonetheless. And churches can get very focused on man-made rules. And, and so legalism is a big problem in churches and a lot of people get offended or get turned off or turned away or, or, or burnt out by this legalism. Self-righteousness, uh, that's, that's one of the ones that most everybody hates about religious people, particularly Christians. Um, that, to think that we're better when, when participants or members of a church think they're better than everyone else. You know, and they look down on others. You know, we go to church and we read our Bibles and we don't do that and we don't do that and we don't do that. And, and, and there's an, there's an arrogance in that, that we are the good people, the right people. And, you know, and, and that's, that's why they criticize Jesus for eating with quote unquote sinners and tax collectors. He, Jesus had a huge problem with self-righteousness. You know, Luke chapter 14, there's a, there's a scene, there's this teaching and there's a parable all about how God loves those that are the fringe people, the, the marginalized, the suffering, the hurting, the blind, the lame. I mean, he, he's, he's, and the people that are, that are invited and the, the honored guests don't even show up to the banquet because they're too busy doing other things. And, and, and basically the, the lesson through the whole chapter is that Jesus loves everybody and nobody is too good and nobody, and everybody who thinks they're too good is really not so good. That means that nobody should be walking around self-righteous. We are all the sick. We all are the needy. We all have sinned. We've all messed up. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible calls us to confess our sins. So that we don't get fooled by our own selves. That we don't believe our own propaganda. 
that we realize that we're all sinners, we're all messed up, and what a different world we would live in. Imagine how different the world would be if we all knew that we're all sinners and nobody's better than anyone else. There'd be no room for racism, judgmentalism, prejudice, or anything like that. But that is what our world is full of, and unfortunately, self-righteousness happens a lot in the church. In fact, lately, anytime you see a movie that has a religious person, it's almost guaranteed that it's going to be a hypocrite, a legalistic person, or probably at least a self-righteous person judging and looking down on everyone else. Those are the sins of religious people, the sins of churches. And a lot of people get pushed away because of that. There's another one uh, that, that is very common is control. We can become very controlling and, and that's a tricky one because there's an amount of legitimate control that's necessary. The church is, is the ecclesia. That means the people that are called out. And that means that they live different. There's things that they do and they don't do. So there's an element of control, but control from God so that we can be safe, so that we can be healed, so that we can be righteous, so that we can be a light of the world. But the problem is it's human nature to try to control everything to control how we think, to control what we do, to control. And, and like any group, it's just, it's a group thing that happens with, with groups is control becomes a factor where, where, where we make rules to keep everybody in line doing things that aren't even necessarily what God was asking or what the Bible teaches, but it just keeps everybody safe and sound. And, and that's where we get ourselves in trouble. And, and, it's our nature to want to control everything and make sure everything's right. So that one's a tricky one because there is good control and then there's bad control. And some of us find security in control. There's security in legalism. Others of us, we feel, we, we feel captive. We feel chained down. We feel boxed in. And, and so there's that reaction towards church. So, so it's a mixed bag, but there's a lot of problems there that get in the way. And this is the problem is that they become kind of a stop sign for people seeking God. And that's what's disappointing because they shouldn't be. This, these are things the church should not get in the way of us finding God. God forbid, literally. I mean, God does not want us to get blocked in our search for him by church or church problems. Um, and, and here's the thing though, that, that, this is all part of God's plan. I mean, the church is his idea. The church is the bride of Christ, warts and all, you know, even with all our issues and our problems. And, and another lesson, another time, we, we, we would focus and break that down and how that works and how, how even dealing with the sinfulness of our churches can actually help us become even more like Jesus. But the goal, the idea of a church is a people that belong to God. And so there should be some caution in there always. And we taught our kids the difference between the church and God. We wanted them to fall in love with God. We wanted them to love the church, but with the understanding that the church is not perfect. Church has got issues. Church has got a problem. And as I've said many times, you know, the perfect church would be the church with nobody in it, right? Because every single person added to the church brings in more problems, brings in their own self-righteousness or their own legalism or their own control, uh, tendency to control all, all. And, and so constantly the church is trying to be purified 
and be more and more like Jesus. That's why we have the theme in him, or we focused on Jesus, to try to be what God called us to be and not be ourselves, not be our sinful selves, not be our weak selves, right? So yeah, there's a caution there that, that is good, but we have to also understand that the church is of God, that the church is Jesus' bride. But we don't can't let that get in the way. So if you need to just kind of put it on the side, I mean, don't, don't let the, don't let church and, and organized religion get in your way. You know, I mean, what the church is trying to be is the kingdom of God. When the church is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is, is wherever God's will is being done, where we're being what God wants us to be, then church is a place of love. It's a place of compassion. It's a place of spirituality where you can spiritually thrive. It's a place of hope. That no matter what you're going through, that things will get better or that help is available. Where we can lift each other's arms up and help one another. Where we can encourage each other. Where we can strengthen each other. Where we can help each other deal with some of our weaknesses or help each other heal. Or even help each other repent of some of the sins that we can get tangled in. That's that's what the church is supposed to be and what we're striving to be. But that's not always the case. And certainly not always the experience that everybody has. So we always have to understand that the church is, is important to God, but it isn't God. It's something else. It's us trying to fit in with God's plan. It isn't God himself. And it should never be the block what stops us from going to God and connecting with God. It should be what helps us to find God and connect with God. So if church is an issue for you, don't worry about it. Just set it aside for now and focus on God. We'll get to church later and we'll get to how, how to deal with that later. But that's what it's supposed to be. So back to the, our topic, how to find God. How do we find God? Well, it's a bit of a misnomer, you know, because he's never very far, right? So the first thing we got to do is just be open. Be open. You know, sometimes we get a mindset, oh, I'm not believing that, or I'm not going to agree with that, or I'm not buying into that. And we become closed. We become closed. And and the first thing that we have to have is uh, at least some openness. I mean, it's kind of like the, the Buddhist saying about a cup that's full can receive no more, but a cup must empty itself so it can be filled up with more. We've got to be somewhat open so that God can put something in us. We, nobody, I, I learned this a while ago. You can't convince anybody of anything if they don't want to be. I mean, if they, if somebody doesn't want to believe, not all the facts, not all the apologetics, not all the science, not all the teaching, creative argument, demonstrations, analogies in the world are going to convince somebody to believe in something they don't want to believe in. You have to want to believe. You have to at least be open to the idea of, okay, maybe there's something that I don't know. There's an idea. Maybe there's something that I don't see. Or maybe there's something I don't understand. And that's the beginning. That's like square 1A of, of allowing God to work in your life. We can't be closed. We can't be like, oh, I'm not believing that. I'm not going to do that. We've got to be open, which means specifically what? Open our mind to learning, to understanding more things. Some of us are naturally very open-minded. Others of us are naturally very cautious 
and, and tend towards closed mindedness. Once we get our facts, once we get our beliefs, boom, we shut down and we're not open to anything else. A spiritual person has to be open because God is always teaching us more things. He's always showing us more. We are continually being transformed. So that means that we've got to continually be learning new things. That means we've got to be open. We've got to be open. If you, and if you don't know God, and you don't feel secure with God, the first thing is just open our minds. Maybe there's something I can learn here. Maybe there's something I need to understand. We've got to open our hearts. Because God is not just a set of facts. God is a being who is love. And that, that is huge there. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've met with a number of atheists, some pretty strong atheists. So far, and I'm not saying they don't exist, but so far, every atheist I've ever sat down with is really just angry at God. It's not that they don't believe. It's they're angry at him because somebody died, something happened, some tragedy, something happened to them or somebody they love, and they're so mad, they're just kind of like, I'm not believing him anymore. It's like ignoring. Sometimes kids will do that. I can't see you. I can't hear you. I don't know where you are. And it's kind of like that. I remember Michelle told me one time that she decided she was a little kid. She decided there's, there's no God, but she didn't want to say it out loud because she was afraid that God would hear her. And that's kind of what we do sometimes in life and what a lot of people do. So just, I'm going to ignore. I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm not going to listen, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and because we're mad or because something happened. We have to have an open heart. We have to have an open heart to God reaching out to us, to God's love. And for many, they're not going to find God. Many of us are not going to find God through a set of logic or teachings. We're going to have to experience his love. We're going to have to open up our hearts and allow him to love us and show us his presence. It's going to be more experiential than cognitive. We have to open our eyes. We have to see what God is doing. Sometimes we've got to open our eyes and just see God. We can't go through life with our eyes closed. No, uh-uh, no, prove it to me, prove it to me. No, sometimes we have to open our eyes and look. Maybe, maybe what we're looking at has the fingerprints of God on it. Maybe if we open our eyes, maybe we'll see how God is moving. I mean, one of the things that that Jesus criticized religious leaders. He said, they'll be ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. You know that in other words, they have eyes, they have ears, they have, but they do not hear and they do not see. And, and we've got to be people who, who have our eyes open to seeing whatever God is showing us, have our hearts open to God reaching out to us and have our mind open to God making himself known to us. That's a mindset. And sometimes we jumped in right into, okay, show me, prove me, da, 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 but we're not open. And it's just like, it's like the parable of the sower. It's a classic parable Jesus taught that the word of God or the seeds just bounce off. They don't get in. And, and by the way, that can happen to Christians too. We can get to a point where we're not open anymore. We can be church members and we're not learning anymore. We're not feeling anymore. We're not seeing anymore. We're just stuck. We're kind of an atheistic Christian. You know, we believe in God intellectually, but we don't really believe in him practically. We're practical atheists. We're just, we're not changing anymore. We're still the same and we're just stuck in a different position. We're stuck at church instead of stuck in the world. We've got to have open hearts, open minds, and open eyes to see him. There's some principles here that are important. If you seek God, you will find out 
that he was already seeking you. You don't have to go and find God because he's never far. He's right here. But what we do have to do is open our eyes, open our ears, and maybe even seek a little here. Go after it. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, When you look for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you, announces the Lord. When you get your heart right, when you open up your heart and go after this, you will see him. You will experience him. And again, for those of us, and I know many of us are quote-unquote Christians, we are believers, we are practitioners, but we're not seeking anymore. And we're bored with our faith. We're bored in our relationship with God. you got to get out there and seek. Those of you who are honestly watching because you're curious and you want to learn more about this, or maybe you want to grow spiritually, or maybe you want to find God for the first time, here's the formula. Here's the instructions from God. God is telling us here. Seek me with all your heart. Put your heart into this. Deuteronomy 4.29. You will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, put yourself into this. Give it all you got. Um, and Put your heart into it. You will find him. You absolutely will find him. You will experience God. You will know God better. But it's not something you can, eh, I'll give you five minutes to prove it to me. Or, eh, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll browse through the scriptures or through the Bible. Or eh, maybe I'll watch the Jesus show or something. No, it's, it's, you're not going to find anything doing that. You've got to really go after this. You've got to really dig in this. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing thing that God is all around us. And once you really know God, he's everywhere. And you see him in all things. God's fingerprints are everywhere. It's kind of like, you ever seen one of those crime scene shows where they turn on the blue lights, turn off all the regular lights, turn on the, the black lights, and they see blood and fingerprints everywhere and all this stuff. It's kind of like that. Once you get to know God, boy, you see fingerprints everywhere. You see where he's been. You see what he's up to. You see what he's doing. God is never far. And that's, a, that's, that's one of the great things about growing spiritually. Because once we become aware, that's okay, that's the first step. And as we grow spiritually, we become more aware of him. A lot of us are members of churches and, and you know, living a Christian life, but we're still really not that close to him. We feel good enough that we know he's there. We, we're aware of him. We visit him in the morning before we head out the door. We visit him on Sunday mornings. But we don't really know him that well. And oh my goodness, you want to do a great Bible study someday. Study out the idea of knowing or yada in, in Hebrew, yada, knowing God, knowing Jesus. Jesus talks a lot about knowing him. He told some religious people, away from me, I never knew you. You know, knowing is a lot, but he's never far. And the closer you are to God, the, the more we grow spiritually, the more we mature spiritually, the more we are aware of that constantly throughout the day, all the time, everywhere we go. He says in Matthew 28, 20, as he's calling his, his disciples to make disciples, he tells them, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When's he with us? Always. Where's he with us? Always, everywhere. Always. He's never far. That is spiritual maturity. When you are totally aware of that. That's out there, okay? For those of us who are just beginning our search, let me tell you, it's a great place to be. So you don't really just find him. Really more we discover him. 
We discover God because he's there. He's there. He's always there. He's here. He's around us. The kingdom of God is within you. It's neither here nor there. It's within you. Okay? And, and, there's, and for that to be true, there are certain things that need to be happening. That's another study. But you begin by just becoming aware and seeking him. Seteo is to seek. And there are so many scriptures built around that. The importance and the need of seeking God. Classic, classic sermon. And this is actually where I got the idea of this series. Paul here is preaching a sermon to a bunch of Greeks, some of the smartest people on the, on the planet who would meet in this place called the Areopagus. And they would discuss philosophy and ideas and all the latest learning in the world. And these were, these were brilliant people. So Paul gets up there and he preaches this sermon to them. And he tells them about God, our God, the God, the true God, Yahweh. He tells them, he says, He is the God who made the world. He also made everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. Instead, he himself gives life and breath to all people. He also gives them everything else they have. From one man, he made all people of the world. Now they all, they, they live all over the earth and he decided exactly when they should live and he decided exactly where they should live. So <clears throat> he tells us that he's, he's speaking to all these Greeks and he's telling them basically, look, he's not a statue like what you think. A lot of people want, they want to, they, because they want to conceptualize God, they make a statue. And, you know, primitive religions, it'll be, you know, it could be anything. It could be a tree, it could be a rock, it could be whatever, because they want to conceptualize God. And basically, Paul's telling them, look, you cannot conceptualize God. I mean, as the old preacher would say, any, any God that you can carry in your pocket is not big enough to save you, is not big enough to help you. And God, many times throughout history, would challenge pe- his people, telling them, look, don't turn to these false gods, these idols. They couldn't save you. Their people from you, from me, him, why would they save you now? Right? So, so Paul's basically telling them, look, this God, God is not an idol. He's not, a, he's not an image or something you create. He doesn't even need to be served by human hands. He, he, he himself gives life and breath to all people. Everybody, everybody receives their life from God. He also gives them everything they have. And, and then he, then, he, then this is a, this is a really interesting part. He says basically he put everybody here on earth choosing the times and places that we would be put. Okay. For what reason? Now, well, he tells us right after that, God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps they would reach out for him and find him. Okay. So why did he do this? So that we would seek God. He, so that we would reach out to him so that we would find him. They would find him even though he's not far from any of us. In him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have also said, we are his children. And, Paul, and I love this because Paul's not using any scriptures. He's not even mentioning Jesus. He's, he's just helping them to understand God. Who is God? And, and that God sets us all up so that we'll think about him. So that we will reach out to him. It's the reason why every culture on the planet has a concept of God, because we were designed in God's image, but also because the creation around us 
tells us there's a God, the design of the universe. And there's many, many ways that we, that, that, that the creation itself tells us. The Bible says the, the stars shout of his glory. The creation speaks of him, you know, it tells us who he is and that he is there. I mean, you go out, all of us have had events in our lives. You've had moments where you were on a mountaintop or you were out at sea or you're at the beach or you're somewhere where the creation itself just hits you, the beauty of it. And you are actually having a spiritual experience. It's not just it's not just that, oh, wow, there's a great distance between me and that mountaintop. No, there's something stirring you inside. It's a spiritual experience. And, and, or you're looking at the stars and you have this just feeling of awe and wonder. That's not a weakness. It's not because you're primitive and need a God to explain the universe. It's because it is speaking to your heart. It is speaking to your soul. It is t- touching you and reaching you and, and affecting you in a spiritual way. And we all feel that. And that's what he was talking about. So you discover God. You recognize God and you acknowledge God. Those are the steps. That's the, those are the very first steps where we start to discover. We start to recognize. And then the, the key point is when we acknowledge God. We say, okay, I'm beginning to get it. I, I'm beginning to catch on here. There's, there is a God. I know there's a God and I need to acknowledge this God. And he's really reaching out to me. So how do we find him? Well, the Bible tells us, be still. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am the Lord. He calls us to just, sometimes we need to see to stop. We're so busy in life. We're running around. We're working. We're, we're on social media. We're doing this. We're doing this, that, that, this, this is. Sometimes that actually can take the, completely all our attention away. So we do not see God. We do not experience God. And that can even happen to, to church members and, and, you know, members of church uh, or members of different religions. God calls to be still. And just stop. Just stop. He said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Being still makes us realize things. It makes us connect the dots. When you see the creation, and you see what's happening, and we wonder about things, we begin to understand and we begin to realize that there is a God. So we have to be still. We have to communicate. We have to let God know. God, help me to see you, to experience you, to know you. We have to speak up. We have to let our hearts be known. And it's not because God can't hear us or he doesn't know what's already in our mind. But communication is key to connection. And we know that from marriage. We know that from family. If there's no communication, there's a problem. There has to be communication. And to listen. To listen to what maybe God is trying to show us, tell us. Even in our own hearts, he'll work. In our conscience, he'll work. But if we're busy running around doing a bunch of stuff, we're never going to catch that. We're never going to experience that. And, 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 and a fourth one that is important is being with his people. You know, and I know so we already talk about church and the problems of church sometimes. But I say his people, I don't mean any particular group. I mean people who walk with him. People who are spiritual. They help us to connect to God. Surround yourself with spiritual people. People who walk with God. It's powerful. 
It's amazing. It's wonderful. Now, sometimes the truth is sometimes we lose God. And this is particularly really, I'm addressing this for people who are part of a church, who are going to services. Sometimes we can lose God. We can lose God because we drift. The Hebrew writer in the book of Hebrews said, watch out that you do not drift away. Right at the beginning of Hebrews. Uh, sometimes we lose God because we sin. And then we hide. You know, we do what Adam did. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid themselves. They covered themselves and they hid themselves. He said, I was scared and I hid, which is what we do. And God, as he was calling Adam and Eve, where are you? He's calling us. He's calling you. Where are you? Where are you? Uh, sometimes we get lost again. You know, we get lured away. We, we were lost. We were found. We found God. We we're in God. We're doing great with God. And then as the, as Jesus uh, shared in the parable of the sower, the worries of this life, you know, the, 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 the deceit of wealth, we get fooled. We get lured away by Satan. And one day we wake up and we're not close to God anymore. We're, we don't know him anymore. Or sometimes we even get lost in religion. We get so involved in church stuff and church events and this and that and this and that, that there's no room for God. We're so religious that we've stopped being God's people. We forgot the why of everything we're doing. And we have to go back to the why. Why am I doing all this? Because of God. And we have to go back to being with God. Uh, St. John of the Cross, he was a Christian in the 16th century. And he uh, wrote something called, uh, wrote a treatise, wrote a, write a, a book about the dark night of the soul. What he called the dark night of the soul. And it's that place where Christians get sometimes, where spiritual people get, where they feel all of a sudden very alone, very empty, where they feel things are meaningless, where they're joyless. There's an absence of God. They don't feel God's presence anymore. The smoke does not rise. And what that means is, you know, is understood from the scripture that the smoke of the of the temple would rise up, would be the prayers of the saints going up to God, and he would accept those prayers. But all of a sudden, the smoke's not rising. And it's like I'm talking to nobody, and I don't see God anymore, and I don't experience him anymore. And that can happen to Christians, even strong Christians. That can happen to spiritual people. And they have to keep moving forward and, and understand that sometimes God works in those times. It's, it's part of our transformation. Sometimes our most desperate prayers are when we're in the dark night of the soul or when we're going through suffering. And that's when we reconnect God with God at a much deeper level. And that, that itself is a whole nother set of teachings. I love this quote. We know that God is everywhere, but certainly we feel his presence most when his works are on the grandest scale spread before us. It is in the unclouded night sky where his world's wheel their silent course, or that he read clearest his infinitude, his, omnipotent, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. Sometimes it's, it's in those tough times where we really understand how great God is, how big he is. Um, there's so much that comes from a walking, finding God. To see everything in God, to see God in everything, normally takes a lifetime of practice. Thomas Keating, one of the when, uh, just one of my heroes, spiritually, one of my heroes. Did you catch that? To see everything in God and to see God in everything. It takes a lifetime. It's, it's part of the spiritual journey we're all on. God is the creator, not a manager. 
Humans have the privilege of managing their own lives. But God's the creator. I love that. Life's not about finding yourself. It is about discovering who God created you to be. One of the benefits, the byproducts, the fruit of knowing God and getting close to God is he helps us to know and understand ourselves and be and, and helps us to become what we were created to be and what we were designed to be in all the glory that God made you to be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things that all of us aspire to be. What you are is God's gift to you and what you become is your gift to God. I love that. That's all part of just knowing God and letting him influence you and help you along the way. If you seek answers, you won't find them. But if you seek God, the answers will find you. You know, it's it. so much of life is really about seeking God. It's about really going after this with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So we're all on this spiritual journey. We're all growing. We're all learning. Every one of us. I've been a Christian for 37 years, but I've known God my whole life. Since my earliest memories, I've been on this spiritual journey. And so are you. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter where you're at, whether you know nothing about God, whether you went to church all your growing up life and and you left or walked away for whatever reason. You got hurt, abuse, uh, discouraged, frustrated, disillusioned. Or, or maybe you're doing great at church and you're loving your church. We're all on this spiritual journey moving forward. And the thing is you keep walking and keep your eyes on the prize. Keep seeking God. And God will keep working powerfully to move you forward and toward the life that he designed us to be. I close with one of my favorite quotes. Soren Kierkegaard said, With God's help, I am becoming myself. God bless you. When coming. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 